Last week we uh, went over the finished 1 Peter chapter 5, and we talked about what it looked like to follow the Lord. And, and let me encourage you that God's called us to follow Him, right? We, we have a lot of seminars and different conferences on how to lead, but until we learn how to follow, we can't lead. Amen? And we've got to learn to be good followers of Lord Jesus. And every uh, moment that he talked to his disciples, he said, follow me. Amen? Follow him. And, and when we looked at that, we talked about what it meant to be clothed in humility. And we looked at that word being a word that was identified as a servant's garment. And God wants us to be clothed in humility. How many know that? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so therefore, we need to uh, be clothed with humility so that we can remain humble before him. Because his word says that if we humble ourselves before him in due season, he will exalt us, right? And so it's important for us to put on this robe of humility. And, and, and just after that, it gave us that scripture as an outline for the rest of 1 Peter chapter 5 of, of resisting the proud and giving grace to the humble. And, and, and then he called us to cast all our care on him. And we looked at this word of casting our care because so many times we just want to cast our worries on the Lord or cast our concerns on the Lord. But that word to cast our care, the word care literally means to cast our distractions on the Lord. How many know that the world wants to distract you? wants to divert your attention away from the plan of God. And, and so uh, in doing so, the Lord said, cast your distractions on me for I'm concerned about you. And immediately he goes into be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil's like a roaring lion seeking who may, he may desire. We need to put our full focus. Amen. We need to put our full attention. We need to be fully awakened to what the tactic of the enemy is in our day so that we can be fully aware that he, the Lord is the one who gives life and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Be aware. And, and I believe that today as we launch into this new year, God wants his people to be equipped. Can you say the word equip with me? Equip. equip. The Lord wants us to be equipped for his purpose and his plan. Now, you know, when I go to, I'm kind of weird like this. When I go into a doctor's office, I like to go and look at the certificates on the wall. Anybody else like that? Anybody crazy like that? Right? I, I, I kind of peruse over, where'd this guy study at? Where'd this person study at? Right? And, and, and how long ago was that? <laughs> did they just graduate last month or did they graduate 10 years from ago? From <laughs> ago, right? And, and so I, I want to know a little bit about their credentials to see if they're equipped to be able to take care of my issues, right? I mean, I do that. Uh, I do that about everywhere I go. I walked into the transmission shop just recently and, uh, and I walked over and they had all the certificates of the workers there. So I'm going through, so, okay, so this guy's, he's, he's qualified, <laughs> you know, this guy's qualified. This guy I'm not sure about. You know what I'm saying? And then, then I ask, well, who's going to be working on my car today? <laughs> but uh, what, guys, if you were in a financial planning process, right, 
And you go to the guy and, 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 and you find out, one, they're in debt, right? They're broke, in debt, and about to file bankruptcy. Would you have confidence in them telling you how to handle your finances? No, no, no. So we want to know that someone handles, look, you know, people talk about wealthy people, but look, I want to know, how do they handle their finances, right? Because evidently they did something right, or hopefully they did something right. (laughs) Anyway, ultimately, we want to be equipped. We as the body of Christ, God wants us to be equipped with every credential, if you will, that, we, that he can give us to be able to fulfill his purpose in our lives. If you're with me in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, I know that we've finished Ephesians last year, and we finished 1 Peter chapter, uh, 1 Peter, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Say that word equipping, equipping. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray that today as we launch into your word, that you would give wisdom and direction, that you'll help us to grab a hold of the vision that you have given to us, Lord, that we will follow your plan, that we will be sensitive to your spirit. God, we love you and we honor you and we praise you. Let your word, God, penetrate our heart and speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, when I think about God equipping us we also have to understand that God's given us a mission. How many know that every one of us have a mission by God, right? In in reality, every one of us are missionaries. Oftentimes, we look at missionaries as those who go outside of the country. But when you look around us today, does anyone know someone who is unsaved? We would say, "I, I hope all of us would recognize that there's somebody that we know that's unsaved. And And God has given us a mission, a mission to seek the lost, right? He said, I did not come into the world to be served, right, but to serve. He said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we are to follow the mission of Christ Jesus, he tells us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. In other words, every one of us have been given a mission. Turn to somebody and say, you've got a mission. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you're on a mission. We have a mission. When I look at, when I look at that word mission, I recognize that we as a local congregation have a mission. We have a mission to seek the lost. We have a mission to, to serve the, serve our community, serve one another. We have a, a mission to disciple people. We have a mission to send those who are discipled out into the community to touch lives and transform uh, the heart of our community for the glory of God. 
And then also when I think of the mission that God has given us, because that mission is not just a local mission. That is a mission for the church in general around the world. God wants us to do these things. But then I, I recognize locally we look at the core values of, of what we need to be able to fulfill that uh, mission that he's given us. One, number one is to be spirit-led. How many know that we have to be led by the Holy Spirit? We have to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by him so that, uh, so that he can direct us. How many understand that being led by the Holy Spirit might not always look the way you think it should look? Right? Being led by the Holy Spirit is not always a, a shake and a shout. Being led by the Holy Spirit, matter of fact, when you talk about the Apostle Paul, who was led by the Holy Spirit, was led into places that, uh, that maybe even had to suffer for a season. But yet, in his leading, being led by the Holy Spirit, he became one of the greatest disciples of, of all time because he was able to touch so many lives around the world. We need to be Spirit-led. We also need to understand that we need to be authentic. How many know that people know when you're fake? It's amazing to me to talk to people who are out of church and recognize that many of them don't come to church because of the hypocrisy they find within the church. How many have felt some of that at times? Now, I always say that we are being judged more harshly. We, the, the world judge, judges, judges us more harshly than the opposite side. Because it's like we're being set on a standard that not even God himself has required us to be, right? We all recognize in here that we are all broken people. How many understand that everyone in this room has a hurt, habit, or hang-up? Everyone in this room has something that they have yet perfected in the glory of God. Every one of us need Jesus to be able to work in us, and God is still working on us. I'm the old children's song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? God's still working on us, and we all recognize that. But sometimes in the process of our walking that out, we present ourselves as have arrived, now, I know, you know, right, some of you guys look like you've already arrived. I mean, you guys are amazing. But we present ourselves in such a way that, that maybe the fact is others feel intimidated by the relationship we have with God. And, and we can't help that because we understand that our relationship with God may cause some to stumble because of, uh, of, of their, own, their own faults, their own failures, their own condemnation because how many know that if you're living in the world, uh, there's a self-condemnation that you feel because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? But we need to make sure that we're walking in authenticity. How many know that you can reach more people by letting them know, you know what, I'm struggling today? Your coworker, to be able to say to a coworker, you know that I love Jesus. You know that I proclaim to be a Christian, but today's not a good day. Today I'm fighting. Today I'm struggling. I'm depending on the Lord to help me through today. And I just want you to know if, if, I, if I say something wrong, please forgive me. If you will help hold me accountable. How many know that that will win more people than to act like there's nothing wrong and have a bad attitude? 
Amen? Be authentic. God wants us to have authenticity. He wants us to have authentic relationships. It is in that authentic relationships that it is where iron sharpens iron. How many know that unless you're willing to show what struggles you have, we can't sharpen one another, right? But if we are able to admit where we are, if we're able to let go of the denial of our own thoughts and struggles, we're able to look at one another with compassion and with care as Jesus looks at us every day, and we surrender that to one another, and we walk in a way that we build one another up for his glory. We walk missionally, missionally. Now, when I think missionally, I'm not talking about missions per se, but Every one of us have a mission. Just as I said a while ago, every one of us are missionaries. Every one of us in this room are on a mission for the kingdom of God. We have a purpose in our community. We have a purpose of where we are. And God wants us to walk that out with a purposeful mission to reach the lost. We're life-giving. I mean, the word of God says in uh, John 10, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, right? Right? And we recognize that as the people of God, we are those who give life. We are those who build up, those who pour into, those who invest so that we can breathe life into the body of Christ. And then lastly, our last core value, not the the last in the sense there's probably many more that we follow, but these are the last that are written and is collaborative, that we recognize that we are no long rangers. We recognize that uh, no, as one said, there's no man is an island unto themselves. We are in a body. God created us as a body, and every one of us, as parts of the body, have a function in the body. Every one of us have an operation. Every one of us have something that God desires to put together. Somebody says, "Well, I'm not. No, I don't know that I'm useful." Guess what? God has gifted every one of you with a gift to be used in the body of Christ, to corporally work together for his kingdom purpose. Amen. Amen. So, God wants us to do these things. Why are people, you know, when, when, I, when I see people that are unprepared, I see people that don't have confidence. You ever ask somebody to do a task and they, they're, they're struggle with being able to do it, or they struggle with answering yes because they're not sure if they're able to accomplish the task, right? Understand that? And so God doesn't want us to be ill-prepared. His, his word says, I would have you not be ignorant, brethren, right? He doesn't want us to be ill-prepared. He wants us to be equipped for his purpose. He doesn't want us to be underprepared. He doesn't want us to lack confidence uh, because if we lack confidence, uh, Usually what happens when we lack confidence is we don't try. We say, well, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. And we just, we don't really put our full effort in when we lack confidence. When uh, the, the other side of that, when we're unprepared is we feel discouraged. We start a process and we see that it is difficult or we see that we are incapable to fulfill it and we, we just begin to get discouraged. How many's ever been discouraged in your journey? Come on. Yeah, right? And, 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 the, and the lastly, sometimes we get to that place where I, we just give up. We feel unprepared. We feel ill-equipped. And we're just like, I can't do this. I'm done. I mean, know somebody's been over it before that's just let go and said, I'm done. I'm finished. And a lot of that is 
the fault of the body of Christ for not equipping the saints as God's called us to do. Not preparing people fully for the plan that God has for them. You know, uh, Hosea chapter 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. There's another verse that says, Without vision, my people become defenseless or naked. They, uh, we, we literally become defenseless because we, uh, we don't have the vision or the insight or the sight that God has for us. And, and yet we, we have an understanding of God, but yet do we really, truly surrender ourselves to the plan that God has for us? Amen? I mean, I was challenged last night by one of my sons, and, and he came in, and we, we were talking about this scripture, and he said, Dad, the problem is, is complacency. And I'm like, ooh, that's a, is that a dirty word? Complacency. He said that so many people have gotten so complacent in their walk with God that they're no longer hungry for God. They have come to a place where they're satisfied with where they are and are no longer seeking God with their whole heart. They're no longer desiring God in the, in the fullness of his uh, might, in the fullness of who he is in order to see themselves transformed by his power. And I'm like, whoa. We have to be on guard not to become complacent in our relationship, not to be satisfied with a level of Christianity because in the process of becoming complacent, we become indifferent to what God wants to do. We become indifferent to anything that happens. We, we are being zinged every single day by the world and the decisions that they make, but has it driven us to do anything about it? Has it, has it driven us to a place on our knees that we seek the face of God, recognizing that God has something different for his body? He's looking for a people who are willing to get on fire for him, to awake out of sleep to, and slumber, to be able to reach a generation who is lost. But complacency gets us into a place um, this morning me and Dr. Mosier was talking for a moment, and he says, God accepts, God, God is unchanging, I think that's the way he said it. God accepts us where we are. I said, yes, God accepts us where we are, absolutely. Thank God, right? Thank God that he accepted you in the depths of your sin. Thank God that while you were still in sin, that he died for you, he cares about you, but God loves you so much. That he is the perfecter of the body. And, and if you are still the same that you were when you got saved, there is a question, are you submitted to the plan of God? Yeah. Are you surrendered to the will of God? Are you truly in a relationship with God? Because if you're in a relationship with God, it will change you. I mean, God doesn't change. So therefore, those who come to him must be willing to, to be clay in the potter's hands, be willing to be molded and shaped into the image that he wants us to be, to reflect his glory, to reflect who he is, right? So therefore, we have to be cautious and be aware of the, 
of the complacency that the enemy wants to put us in. If he can get you just satisfied to come to church on Sundays and sing a few songs and, 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 and put up with the, the message of a preacher and go home and not do anything different, then that's complacency. Every one of us have a voice that needs to be shared. I mean, no, as you go, it says, Karuma, teach, preach, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all evangelists. We're all missionaries. We all have an, a, a plan and a purpose, and therefore, we have to surrender ourselves to him, be open to him, be, be cautious not to, be, to get in a rut. How many found yourself in a rut? I mean, we start off well, right? Even the Apostle Paul said, he said, you started off the race so well. What has hindered you, right? No wonder the Apostle Peter tells us to cast our distractions on the Lord because the Lord is concerned with what will be out there to trip us up. We've got to be Open mind, we have to have an open eyes and be sober-minded and aware, awakened to what the tactic of the enemy is so that we can be sensitive to what he wants us to do. If we want to be equipped by God, we have to be open ears to hear what God is saying to us. Amen. Y'all still love me this morning? I don't know that I'll go into this fully today, but I want to, over the next few weeks, I want to go into the disciplines of the faith, what that looks like for us, because I believe that God's called us to be equipped, and when I look at this Ephesians chapter 12, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12, it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, the, the word equip gives the idea, it's, it's the only time that this specific word is used. Another version calls it the perfecter, right? And, and it gives the sense of complete furnishings. In other words, uh, our life is like an empty room. When we give ourselves to the Lord, we are emptied out of all of the old. The old man has passed away. All things have become new, right? That's what the scripture says. And it gives the idea of an empty room that needs to be furnished. And this word, equipping the saints, is like putting in the furniture of that room to complete the room for the purpose of God. How many know that God wants to complete your life? He wants to be the interior decorator of your soul so that you are fully able to fulfill his plan. So therefore, we need to be equipped by God, truly letting him put in us the furniture, if you will, of what we need for his purpose. It goes on and says, for the equipping of the saints, right, to, for the work of ministry, the, the word work is, guess what the word work is? Work. Man, that's a four-letter word, isn't it? <laughs> In a society that ab- abhors labor in these days, right? In a society that's looking for the easy way out. That's another four-letter word. Lazy. 
God wants to equip us, wants to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work. In other words, ministry being diakonios is a word of servanthood. And, and, and so it is a laborsome job to serve one another, right? And, and sometimes we get frustrated when we get a call that somebody needs help, right? And we say, oh, man, why can't they call me on another time? This is not a convenient time. But God is looking for laborers in the kingdom. Isn't that what he says? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the kingdom. He's looking for those who are willing to dedicate themselves to the work of God, to the work of servanthood within the body of Christ. Amen. The work. Whistle while you work, right? For the equip, my grandfather was one who whistled everywhere he went. And he, he retired uh, from Ryobi. It was Singer back in the day. How many remember Singer sewing machines? And it turned into Ryobi. Well, uh, at his funeral several years ago, many people commented the fact that we knew where F.J. Hutchins was because we would hear him coming whistling. He, he always had a joy in his heart no matter what he was doing. It could be the hardest job, and you'd, he'd be out there sweating and whistling. Come on. The work of ministry. God help us to find the joy of the Lord in everything we do. But we work as servants for a purpose, for the edifying of the body. The word edify means to build up. In Spanish, the word for building is edificio. And so, is that right, my brother? Edificio. And, and so, God wants us to recognize that we are working to build one another up. Is the purpose of building each other up, not tearing each other down. The body's not been called to condemn one another. The body's not been called to destroy one another. Guess what? Guess what cells in the body that begin to destroy the body are called? Cancer, right? We're not called to destroy one another. We're called to build each other up, to encourage one another. The Bible says this way, to encourage one another so much more as you see the day approaching. God is looking at us to build one another up. If, if you find your brother in a sin, if you find your brother in a hardship, we are to go to them and encourage them, to build them up, to serve them, to see how we can help them overcome and be overcomers together with them. How many of you are only as good as those around you, Right? We surround ourselves with the body of Christ, and we build each other up. We hold each other accountable for that purpose, to build one another up, edifying the body, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, till we all come to the unity. Man, now, when I looked at that word unity there is, a, there is a, a part of that that means oneness, that we all come to a, a one-mindedness. But it also has the concept of looking face-to-face. -face. It's that we can, when we come to the place where we can look eye-to-eye, -eye, encouraging one another, look eye-to-eye -eye and see the one standing in front of us, 
And, and, and God wants us to be willing to look each other in the eye, to be able to look at one another, to value one another, to respect one another, to encourage one another. And that, that ability of unity is not something that comes easy. It takes a work of labor. It takes a work of love, right? Amen. To the knowledge. Unity. To bring us to the knowledge. The word knowledge also means the recognition. The recognition of who? The recognition of our Lord and Savior, right? We want to recognize, acknowledge the Son of God. Now, when I, when I look at this, I, I read it maybe a little differently. It says, we come to the unity. Come to unity. To acknowledge the Son of God, right? The word son there is the word hues, which is the word, there's, there's three different words, there's technion, there's three different words for the word son. This is the word that would describe a mature son, someone who is mature, someone who is uh, fully grown or, or, or made. And so God wants us to come to this unity so that we will see the maturity of the son, right? And, and, and it goes on and, and tells us that, that we will see the fullness. What says mature son, the perfect. Wow. Now, that, that's kind of difficult, right? When you think about the perfect, right? The Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. God wants us to be able to look at one another, to encourage one another, to see the maturity. How many know that God wants you to be mature in Him? He tells us not to be babes tossed to and fro any longer, but He wants us to be mature. And maturity becomes with equipping. Maturity comes with studying. Maturity comes with growing. It, it is a sign of growth in us so that we see the maturity of the Son of God to a perfect man. So we see the, the fact that He is uh, complete. He is not just uh, half grown or half fulfilled or uh, recently hatched, if you will, but He is fully grown. He is fully complete. God wants to complete us. He wants you to be complete in him. To the measure, the determining quality, to the standard or the rule of what we see in Christ Jesus. The rule, the, the standard that God set forth to the stature, which is to the uh, complete age, the adult age or the term or the complete term that God wants us to be in so that we can have the fullness of Christ Jesus. Well, he's already been fulfilled. When I think about God wanting us to get into that place, what does it mean to be equipped by God. What is the priority? I'm, I'm closing. Is that okay? Y'all good with that? Crockpots are ready. God wants us to be equipped. God wants us to, to prepare ourselves. I believe that this year is a year of equipping. This is a year where I feel like my purpose, he said he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints. 
right, for the work of ministry. I believe God's called me to equip the body of Christ. And I look across this congregation, and there's many equippers in this room. There's many who have been prepared to equip others, and it is a time to engage, to equip. It is a time to truly be disciples. Somebody said, well, I'm, not, I'm new in the faith. Well, guess what? You can start where you are. You can disciple people to the place, to the level you are. But let me encourage you, don't stop where you are. Don't become complacent in where you are. Recognize there's more. God has more. Say more. More. God has more for every one of us. Whether you're 9 or 99, there's still more. And God wants us to dive into the more and to prepare and equip ourselves for more. And, and, and so when, when I think of, and I probably will jump into just one. When I think of the basis for equipping, the basis of equipping is love. Love. Me and Ken this past Thursday sat at a table and talked about what does it look like to love God? What does it look like to love God? And, and, and we challenged ourselves a little bit with talking about what it looks like to love God. And, and we began to talk about the disciplines of the faith. When he called them disciples, right? Go make disciples. Well, the root of disciple is discipline. And and. If I'm disciplined in something, you know, it's, it's kind of like preparing yourself for a sport or preparing yourself for playing instruments. I have to be disciplined to be able to learn the notes. I have to be disciplined, uh, have to discipline my body to be able to prepare it for uh, all the running that will have to be done. Eli and Wesley are going to play on the... What is it called? Alumni team. These guys are alumni of Alcoa High School. And they're going to have an alumni game on January 19th. And all the old guys, whatever. <laughs> the alumni, well, there are going to be some old guys playing. <laughs> are going to play the, the new senior high team. And so these boys have been trying to prepare themselves because they've been out of shape now for a year, right? Uh, Wesley, a few more years than just a year. <laughs> of course, he did run a marathon like last year. That's crazy. But anyway, so they've been out in the cold running to prepare themselves to play this young team. God wants us to understand it takes discipline. If we're not disciplined to be able to prepare ourselves, then we will not do well. It will get discouraging. If you run one lap and you know, you're breathing heavy and you're ready to give up and they're running circles around you, you just want to stop. So what am I doing? But when we prepare ourselves, our breathing is controlled. Our muscles 
don't ache when we get to run, right? Some of us, it's been a long time since we've had that feeling, right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> God's looking for people to prepare, to be prepared. But if we love someone, if we love it, guess what? We'll do whatever it takes. If we love with all of our heart, this is what the Word of God tells us in Luke 10, 25. Luke 10, actually I'll go to verse 27. And the answer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And then it goes and says, you will love your neighbor as yourself. Goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 5, and then also Leviticus 19 and 18, sharing with us, these are the commands that we live by. Well, listen, if you love God, guess what? You're going to do everything you can to honor and glorify Him. You want to know Him. How do we love God? Well, we want to know Him. The Apostle Paul says, uh, he says, yet, Philippians 3, 8 and says, yet indeed I also count all things lost. Everything I have is worth nothing, right? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Oh, that I may know Him. I just want to know Him. Look, if my wife was a book to be studied to give me eternal life, then there wouldn't be a day go by that I wouldn't study her, her mood, I wouldn't study her actions, I, wouldn't, I would study everything about her because I knew if I know her to the fullest, then everything's going to be all right. How much more do we need to know our Lord and Savior? He's given us His Word. He's given us the manual, if you will. He's given us the road map. Listen, none of you would take a trip blindly and set out for the west coast without a map you would study your plan you would know the specific places you're going to stop you would know the cost of the hotels you're going to stay at you would study the plan well God has set us out on a journey and have we studied the plan God has set us out on a path and we've, he's not sent us blindly, but he is with us to show us the way. But if we don't listen, we get complacent. In premarital counseling, or in counseling in general, couples, the number one issue that people struggle in their relationship communication communication the number one reason that marriages fail is communication with there are underlying things that causes communication to be disrupted mistrust finances so on and so forth but communication is the number one thing so, if I understand that to value my spouse is to communicate with my spouse. How many know that, that the Lord is called the husband and we're called the bride? 
And therefore, it is important for us to have communion and communication with God. We've got to spend time with Him. We've got to break open the book. Get to know the Lord. I believe, I believe that the number one discipline is the Word of God. It has to be number one. Because it is the, it is the source, if you will, of, and basis of our communication with God. It is Him speaking to us. Somebody says, well, I haven't heard God speak. Well, when's the last time you opened His Word? You've got to dust that thing off. And you've got to let it be so important. I love Diane and Terry. They carry on Danny's vision. Danny was the one that gave out the Bibles, didn't he? And so they come and say, Pastor, we got some more Bibles. Do you know somebody needs a Bible? And I'm, I'm thinking, this is so amazing. If someone has a passion to make sure that there's a Bible in every person's hand. And yet, there's many of us that have 10 and 12 on our shelves and sometimes don't even break them open. It has to be something, if we really want to be equipped by God, we have to hear His voice. And how do we hear His voice? For He says that, in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He's the Word. And if we want more of Him, we're going to study the Word. We're going to let that Word. I, my sister, she's 62 years old. She came to New Year's Day meal. And she says, I'm so excited. I read the Bible through for the first time in my life. And I, I, I was thinking, wow. I mean, it was amazing. I'm so excited for her. But here's a young lady who has been in church all her life. I did say young lady too, right? 62. All of her life. And for the first time, read the Bible through. Look, I encourage you. Let that be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Hide his word in your heart that you will not sin against God. It's got to be priority one. Priority two, I'll get to that next week. Our ushers are going to come and allow us to serve in communion today. How appropriate that we in this service with communion communion being the root of communication right
after you have received your cup, if you want to join me in the altar, can we have an an intimate time of communion with the Lord? If you want to, you're welcome to stay in your seat, but can we just, if you will, and willing or able, would like to join in the front as you receive your cup. I really do want to see every one of you in a closer relationship with God. And and God's being honest with ourselves. If I said, do you need to draw near closer to the Lord? I believe that every one of us would say, yes, I want to draw closer to the Lord. Come on up, guys. Come on, step a little closer. My desire and hope and prayer and challenge as a pastor is to position you to grow in Christ Jesus. It's to work with the staff, the leaders of this church, to help everyone in this body to be positioned to fulfill the purpose that God has created for them. It's challenging at times. Sometimes it's like herding cats. And I've asked myself, have you prepared people for that type of relationship? And I know that we as Pentecostals are very, we're very flippant in how we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're very flippant of how we, you know, loosely talk about walking in the anointing and unction of God. And we, we're very happy to see the emotional uh, sides of, of experiencing God. But are we prepared for the depth that it will take when the enemy comes knocking. How many know there's a counterattack for every advancement that God brings us to? There's a counterattack of the enemy that tries to get us to get complacent. To, even if even if he lets the enemy lets us stay in that position, he wants to be complacent in that position. And, and my desire is to help each one of us find a deeper root in the Lord to, to tap in like a tap root to tap into the source so deep that when those winds come we will not be torn down when those winds come we might bend but we won't break and that God begins to see us more fruitful how many know it's up to him to bear fruit that we're positioned in such a way that we're receiving the nutrients that God has for us that we can be the most fruitful people that God has for His kingdom purpose. It all starts with the way He's made for us. He's made a way where there was no way. In our natural way, we don't have the ability to commune with God. I mean, understand, the, this is what the Word says. He, flesh reveals to flesh, but spirit reveals to spirit. 
the only way to commune with God is in the Spirit. By His Spirit, right? Spirit of truth. Today, we, as we take communion, we're honoring, celebrating, giving glory and honor to Him for making a way that we can walk in this relationship. Jesus was willing in the flesh to give himself so that we could die to flesh and walk in the spirit. Amen? It's an amazing gift. Josh, you can't do this by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. We can't do it in ourselves. It's only by God. Would you take that bread? Lord, we celebrate the gift that you have given us. And we acknowledge your presence in this place. Today, we, we thank you for making a way for us to experience your truth. For us to have a relationship with you. We're so thankful, Lord, that that you have made a way for us to have life and life more abundant. And Lord, though many live so well beneath the blessings and favor that you want to give, I pray that today starts a journey that we grow deeper in you to learn more about you, that we learn more about uh, what your plan is for our lives and that we acknowledge who you are, that we grow to the stature and fullness of the faith. Thank you for being broken for us to make that way. Would you take that juice? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood that was shed for each one of us. That blood becomes the veil, the covering, if you will, of all of our sins. Your word says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Lord, today we thank you for the blood that was shed for us, that cleanses us, that washes us, that purifies us. And we ask today that If there's anyone in this room, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior, that today they will accept the gift that you have given them. They'll accept this precious gift of life that you desire to give. And Lord, that you would begin to empower them to serve you in a greater capacity. Those of us who know you as our Lord and our Savior, I pray that today, God, that you would that you would give us clarity and vision, Lord, to see the plans that you are putting together for each one of us. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray uh, the favor of God to be over this body. Lord, I pray, Lord, for a a drive to to see your kingdom advancement. Lord, a a desire to be truly equipped by you, Lord Jesus. I pray that every opportunity that this church 
gives for equipping the saints that, Lord, every class will be full. Every, every room, God, will be filled with people that are hungry. For your word says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. God, make us so hungry that when, when every time the doors open, God, we want to be there. We want to be a part. We want to build each other up for your kingdom purpose. God, we thank you today. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pray that every one of us are dedicated this year to being a disciple and being discipled. Amen. 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 Happy New Year, guys. It's going to be a great year. Mark's going to be a great year. Remember, there's some sign-up sheets in the back. If you're going to the, if you're going to the inner uh, emotional healing, sign your name up. If you're going to the um, marriage retreat, put your name on it. We want you to be there.